0: Don't just be a part of the industry, redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching, LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
2: Hey, security peeps. We are live with another special edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And tonight is our... Once a month, Federal Career Connections Night. And with Federal Career Connections, we have amazing hosts coming on, co-hosts coming on and talking about how to break into federal careers. And today we have Chris Westbrook. Chris, Chris has been with us multiple times. She's amazing. She has been with the CIA. She, I mean, she's retired now, but she's been with the CIA for over 30 years. She's... Ha- interviewed over a thousand people and helped them get into the industry get into you know um the intelligence community into cia into many of the federal agencies so chris welcome back thank you so so much for being here and we are going to be talking about preparing for a successful interviewing process for federal interviews, so really, really excited to have you back again. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you, Renee,
1: and hello to everyone. I'm glad we gave you a good reason to stay inside in the air conditioning. I'm <laughs> grateful for that. It is so hot. <laughs> <And, happy. laughs> um, I'm grateful for being back with you, Renee, because your group is so great. They ask wonderful questions. Um, they link in with me afterwards, and um, what. Although I'm doing a fair amount of leadership and management training, which is my current profession, I've been doing a ton of career counseling um, since COVID hit. And uh, Federal Career Connection, we doubled our webinars to twice a month. I'm the curriculum director. Um, And our next one on July 13th will be on interviewing successfully for a federal job, Um, meeting and getting over that big hurdle once you apply for a federal job. And so I can preview that with you tonight. Oh, yeah. um, And welcome you to to come and I'll put the registration link in the comments in a bit if you want the full uh, presentation.
2: Oh, yeah, we would love that. You know, we absolutely want um, we want folks to get as much knowledge, as much information and as much detail from you as possible. So would love for you to, to, to share that information and I'll continue to share that as we, um, you know, over the, over, over the week. Okay. And when, it, when is it again? It's July 13th. So a week okay. from next Okay, So we have, then. a couple, we have a couple weeks.
1: Yes. Yes, okay. indeed. And, awesome. um, as Renee mentioned, when I was with the Central Intelligence Agency, first as a recruiter, then managing all of our analysts recruiting, um, and then after that, continuing as a hiring manager, I must have interviewed thousands of people, both externally uh, from the public and also internally within CIA. And I have continued to give people advice. And I actually, I run mock interviews for interested people. So. Um, And you will you will get lots of feedback. So that's an offer I will make to you all, too, since you're such a great group to work with. I'll put in my LinkedIn link. And if you connect with me when you have you have to have the interview scheduled, though. Right. Because I need to look at the job description and then ask you questions aligned to that. Um, And that will really help you prepare. I am candid with feedback and I will give you guidance on everything from your overall presence to your specific answers. Um, and tonight what I can do, I think of the federal hiring process after application as really in four steps from the screening uh, to determine whether you're you're competitive enough to be interviewed. So there's the screening, then there's the interview itself that you have to prepare for. Um, Number three is the hiring decision. And number four is once you get the job offer through until when you start with the federal government. And in each of those four steps, it's important to know who has what roles, um, what you can expect in general, um, and also what you can do, because there's something you can do at each step of the way to make sure you get more successfully through and you end up onboarding successfully in a job that's a good fit for you and in an agency or department whose mission you really resonate with.
2: So, Chris, before I want to pause right now and ask, I know there's a a number of viewers here. I just want to ask where people are from, because I know we talk about the federal career, you know, federal careers, Washington, D.C. area. For the folks that are watching right now, where are you here? Where, where are you watching from? Are you in the D.C. area, metro area? Are you in other um, parts of the country? Because that, that would definitely also help us understand who is the audience tonight. And then, you know, Chris can specifically say if you're interested in roles in, you know, different, comp- different parts of the country or where, wherever you are, that would be great. So, um, I'm getting some Rockland County, New York. Nathan is here. Woohoo! Miami. Okay. So Kyle is in Miami, Florida. That's fantastic. Anna is in Portland, which is, which is cool. Um, and James Carroll is in Texas. I know Lisa Candle, she had um, made a comment too, but she I don't see where she's from. So this is awesome. Emmett's and Chester. It looks like I don't know how to pronounce this if it's Lisa Lot isn't Lisa Lot Harvey is in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay, so a couple Florida people, Salem, Oregon. Sean is here. Hey Sean. <laughs> Nathan says hi. Hey Nathan. All are, the peeps are. Here, Colorado Springs. So Juriel is in Colorado Springs. Epidemi um, is in San Antonio. So we got a couple different. So Jerry Jerry Dorch is in Elkridge, Maryland, and Nathan is in uh, another Nathan. Different Nathan is in Hanover, Maryland. Um, there's someone here in Gainesville. I'm seeing a couple people. Gainesville, Virginia. We have folks in San Diego. Joshua in San Diego. That's so awesome. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, you know, we, we totally. Chris is such a resource. She's so amazing in terms of preparing people. And this insight is so good. So I'm so, so happy that so many people are here. in our uh, yeah. China is in Plano, Texas. Another Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Greenspan says one more Nathan. Yeah. Tons of Nathans, sons of Mike's, sons of Chris's. <laughs> so this is good. Well, this is good to know that people are calling in from, you know, so, I mean, out. yeah, like they're, you know, they're here. Nathan is laughing at us. So they're here from all these different parts of the country and, um, which is fantastic. So now we you know, we kind of get a gauge of where people yes. are. I know there's federal roles everywhere, right? All over the country. Yes. And so In fact, um, about seven, I just looked this up to get
1: the, the most recent number, 79% of federal jobs are outside the Washington DC metro wow. area.
2: I would have never known that.
1: Yeah. Anyone have a guess for the city that has the
2: most federal jobs?
1: And it's not Washington, D.C.
2: I feel part of me feels like it would be somewhere in Texas. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, go north. <laughs> Does anyone want to know? That's a great question. I guess I should have T-shirts or something to give out like prizes like <laughs> who, <laughs> where, where this stuff is. Um does anyone know? Okay, so we got some a couple people. So Joshua is saying San Diego. Is it San Diego?
1: No, go yeah. go north and go north and go east to a a city that's been a trading center for years, hundreds of years.
2: Hundreds of years. The middle of the country. So an old city, hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And think about how old transport used to
1: happen. And it wasn't even by rail hundreds of years ago. It was by lake, right? It was wow. by lake and
2: rivers. <laughs> Frankie says, I would love if ah. you- we're going to get some merch going. We're totally getting merch. So, um,
1: Joshua is close. Very close. Chicago. Yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> Chicago. That's what yeah. I said. North Dakota, we got uh so joshua who says chicago nathan and then china said it too so yeah. chicago okay cool good, good, yes. good. Uh,
1: apparently the jobs in chicago are mostly finance law and biological sciences and mm-hmm. um baltimore has a ton of federal jobs as well
2: yes i know that outside of you know next outside of dc I hear about so many people who are in Baltimore, and you know all the opportunities that are in that area, which is fantastic. So this is good to know, so people can you know there. You don't have to always come to DC because everyone, I you know obviously this is the this is where everything is right. The federal government, the capital, all this stuff, the White House. You immediately think the CIA headquarters is right here, so you think DC Metro, but now we know. 81, you said 70, 81% of the positions are outside of 71%. 79%. 79%. That's
1: just doing a quick Google search. I'm not actually on a federal website, but um, that that sounds about right to me. Uh, So think about, um, for those of you not in the D.C. area, all of the kinds of regional offices that agencies have to have, Social Security Administration, Internal Revenue, Um, The Department of Agriculture has regional offices, EPA has regional offices, Um, Mm -hmm. FBI, so many of our um, federal agencies, because they serve all federal public um, U.S. citizens, are are in regional centers all around the country. Right. Um, The military is all over the place. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's there are opportunities um, physically located around the country. I know what some of you are thinking is, well, how many agencies are hiring remote now, 100% remote? And I wish I could find that out. I, I think it's I think it's changing as we speak, actually, right? Because mm-hmm. since COVID, so many more federal agencies as well as private sector companies and organizations realize that they actually can exist um, with remote employees and that sometimes productivity is even better and you have a much bigger talent pool. Um, Right. General Services Administration actually just hired a pretty prominent senior manager, um, 100% remote. So it's something to look for in USA Jobs um, and to ask about.
2: I'm really, really happy about that because, you know, as to be able to compete, well, there's two things, obviously there is, um, you know, there's so much talent all over the country and it's exciting yeah. to see the roles that you actually don't have to physically be in the location that these people can actually compete. I, I mean, you know, like be a part of the, be a part of the recruitment process. So, you know, we're talking about that right now, there's this thing called a big recession or the, the great recession, um, mm-hmm. And with all these people like that are leaving their corporate, their opportunities and looking for a hundred percent remote roles. And, you know, it's just big kind of movement and it's probably hasn't been, hasn't, the the workforce has likely never seen anything like this for like a hundred years when people were coming into, you know, the more um, manufacturing jobs and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff this big kind of, calling it the great resignation where people are looking for 100% remote roles. So it's great, great, great to see that it's happening in the federal government as well. Um, Nathan, Patrick, hey, Patrick. I'm so excited to see so many people here. It's so funny because you never know who's here. (laughs) It's just like, these are folks that have been and they come back all the time. So Patrick and Nathan in particular, Nathan Katzenstein, you know, super excited to see you all. Um, And everyone else, obviously, of course. So Nathan wanted to know, Chris, are there any government jobs in the New York City area? I mean, I can answer that. I know there are. Sure. Chris?
1: Yeah, all all the agencies I talked about. And um, uh, Federal Communications Commission is another one that has regional offices for enforcement. My guess is that um, Treasury Department in particular is going to have New York offices, given the financial and trade center that New York city is. So sure you can actually search um, USA jobs on region and come up with listings that way.
2: Federal reserve bank. I'm thinking about a number of people who I know who have worked there, um, you know, federal reserve in New York city. So yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Nathan. Okay. And Patrick wants to know do federal recruiters reach out or should people be more aggressive in reaching out to find these jobs? I'm asking for a friend who thinks someone will just call him one day. <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's rarely a
1: good strategy for an employer. And, um, the federal government is very focused on equity and inclusion. And so their process is that you need to institute the apps application. And then, you know, they screen everybody according to very um, transparent and clear criteria. Uh, occasionally, there will be federal agencies participating in uh, virtual and in-person job fairs. Sometimes uh, cities or localities will hold them, and, and you might see some federal agencies represented, but I, I wouldn't count on it.
2: yeah. I mean, I, I had a, a really good conversation with some folks at um, Homeland Security and it was part of the, the uh the leadership over there and we we're talking about recruiting and it's 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 all you know, I I, I talked to them about the the um I talked about the uh, the corporate recruiting model and headhunting recruitment where we do go and we poach people and look for people and all that and it yeah. was like what you know <laughs> <laughs> that's so not the US government <laughs> it's not the government and so we we you know we had a, a, a really great conversation around um how to what it, what it meant right the different the differences because Obviously, with the federal government, it's all about the application process and what have you. And then a lot of times with the corporate, it's about poaching. It's about reaching out to people. So kind of what Patrick described, like, you know, people will reach out to this. That's my job every day. You know, my company, this is what we do. We reach out to people and try to poach people out of other situations and bring them into our clients. So especially in the security space, it's very, very similar. Yes. And, you know, security people as a whole, you know, I talk about security people, security peeps all the time. Security folks don't apply. They don't have to because they're getting bombarded daily, daily. So I know I'm one of many people reaching out to them. So it doesn't surprise me that Patrick's friend is asking that question because it's so common for every company to wanna to reach out and say, oh, you have this great experience. We want you, we want, you know, we mm-hmm. want you to come and, and interview. And I just had a situation with a, I have a client recently when we, we just filled his positions, but the people wouldn't apply. Like we, I was like, okay, you gotta apply now. They're like, what, you know, like, <laughs> can you just apply me? So I I reached out, I poached them. I, you know, did all of that stuff when it gets to the application process. The, and, and it was an, an energy company so they, they you know it's like you have to apply to like really you know so yeah. it's, it's definitely a different dynamic um with security people in particular and you know trying to get into the federal government so it's it's been it's it's eye-opening for me i always say that you know from my perspective i i, I love when chris comes on and alex and The folks from DHS who have been on, you know, all these various people, Julie, Andrews, so many people, because it's not my area of expertise. My area of expert, you know, for us, corporate side, it's like you go and you find the person and you bring them in. And I know on the other side, it's USA Jobs, you have to apply, there's a process, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, that said,
1: though, Renee, Um, we do bring in contractors who work with us. Um, and re- and recruit them to come on as staff um, mm-hmm. and once you're in the federal space there is I wouldn't call it poaching but there are some aggressive conversations with good people um, that you work with in the interagency space um, right want you to you know, come on certainly at- enticed NSA people to try and come to CIA for example right
2: right so when you're in the agencies or if you're a government contractor they'll want you to come mm-hmm. on employee for the federal for whichever agency it is which is nice. exactly yeah um, okay a couple more comments going on here so uh yeah. Nathan says <laughs> okay nathan nathan katzenstein is thanking us for his, for the info that we provided which is awesome the other nathan nathan i'm looking at nathan, <laughs> nathan greenspan <laughs> i'm changing my name my heart is sweet beats be- speeds up every time I hear Nathan. is so funny. Nathan Greenspan, you're not changing your name. You're awesome. And then he also says down here, somebody poach me. <laughs> so, he was try to come and poach him. I love it. So Nathan Katzenstein says, what are some of the soft skills the government really needs?
1: I think they're probably pretty much the same as anywhere else. Um, strong communication skills, teamwork, Um you know, it's rare rare that anyone does anything completely on their own anymore. So being able to play well in the sandbox with others. Um, analytic and critical thinking. I think more and more people are looking for resilience and adaptability, that being comfortable with change being the constant um, because the federal landscape is so dynamic these days too. Um, there's also the added, um, for many jobs that require some level of security clearance, um, wanting someone who is clearable, who um, protects confidential or classified information, um, abides by, by rules, and can be vouched for by others. So that's not really a soft skill, but that clearability is, is a big one for many of the government agencies where a clearance is
2: required. So, um, Chris, for folks who don't under fully understand what that means, when you say clearability, can you mm-hmm. explain? Because I don't think people fully understand sure. you know, what that necessarily means when you say clearability.
1: Sure. Um, in general, a security clearance uh, depends on you being able to show that First of all, you're not a counterintelligence threat. You're not uh, loyal or have ties with another government than the United States. Um, and so for that, they look at your your honesty. Um, they look talk to references. They check on your foreign national contacts um, to make sure that loyalty is there. And then there's the whole suitability side, which is more behavior and conduct, the fact that um, You don't uh, go out and get blindingly drunk and pass out. You don't download thousands of dollars of um, material from the internet. It's kind of the general conduct issues that any employer would want, but to know that you're gonna be reliable and um, you have good judgment and you will be able to keep, keep the government secrets.
2: Okay, good. So blind and drunk people, me on some nights. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we can not apply. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so a couple more comments here, Chris. We got some good engagement. I'm excited. You yes. know, It's 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 great. So um Nathan, oh Tyrone is here. Hey Tyrone. He says, Hey Renee, hi, this is so good. Uh Tandy, that's great to hear. Hi, Renee. Thank you so much. This is exciting. Um, let's see. Okay, so James had uh Nathan wants to talk offline later. I don't know if you want to talk to me or if you want to talk to Chris, but I'm gonna make sure I tag Chris to make sure that you know when you do reach out to her, this is another thing. So, two things that I forgot to say before at the beginning of this um live stream. One Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, um, because with YouTube, you'll get the notifications. You know, you definitely want to do that. So please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two is Chris will accept any LinkedIn, you know, notification, but she needs to know who you are, where you came from, how you found out about her. So I'm going to put her I'm going to tag her in the chat. You can definitely connect with her on LinkedIn. She is totally open to having Chris. you will talk about this, you know, engaging with people and communicating and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. she needs to know that you are actually, you know, like this is where you came from and you're legit. So please, 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 when you reach out to Chris, let her know that you you connected with her from this um, this live cool. and you're on the Breaking in Cybersecurity podcast. And then when you connect and then she'll be able to, she will accept, cause she will not accept any random people <laughs> that are out there looking to get into her network. So that's that. Okay, so let's see here. Um, James wants to know, are recruiters more attracted to finding those who are already employed versus, versus those who are not? Um, I can, I'll speak about that from a corporate perspective. Um, we are flexible you know we just want to hear what what the story is um most of the time i tell people you know when i give interview advice and career advice and things like that we just want to know what the story is and we i mean this is 2021 people have been laid off we had a pandemic people lost their jobs all that kind of stuff it is not unusual to be re- for people to be in between situations or to not be employed um, and I think any employer at this point from a corporate perspective that is looking at that in, in a negative way is um, I would question if I was a candidate, I'd be I'd be quite frankly questioning, you know, them. Um you should be you, you know, we it, it doesn't matter now. If a person has been out of work for three years or a long two years, you know, a long time, that definitely I definitely have a question mark when that happens. And the reason why I have that question mark is we want to know that you still have the relevant skill set, because, as you know, specifically in security and I know most of my population is security peeps. In security, everything moves so fast. So, if you're off the market for two years and you're doing something completely off the grid, then the question is, well, do you still have the skills? Are you up to date? You know, what's going on? But just in between roles, three months, a couple months, whatever, that's to me, I I don't, I don't just, you know, discriminate, so to speak, if that's the right word, and say, okay, we're not going to reach out to this person because they're out of work. So, I don't know how it works. So Chris, it, it, with the federal government, I think it's, is it similar? Oh, yeah, I think
1: so, especially now with uh, with COVID. A couple of things. One is um, to apply for a job at a certain grade level, you only have to have one year of experience at that grade level, as the qualifications are stated in the job announcement and in the qualification questionnaire that accompanies each job announcement. And so you can go back in time to get that one year to be um, deemed qualified at the grade or salary level. And then also I would say, remember that any volunteer work and unpaid work also counts as relevant experience. And the federal government is very open to that. So uh, for example, I am preparing webinars for Federal Career Connection. So I'm keeping current my instructional design skills and my facilitation um, and presentation skills. That counts um, as as work experience, paid or unpaid. And then finally, of course, there's always the chance to keep learning, Um, even if it's a LinkedIn certificate versus uh, an expensive, you know, whole new program that you're you're learning to show that you are keeping up to date in your field is important as Renee said
2: right I would also add um to Chris that we you know on our side when it comes to the um when you talked about volunteer experience all of that Mm -hmm. that agreed when it comes to um the corporate side as well so a lot of times I get a lot of questions from students and from people who, you know, they don't have the experience yet. And I, I tell them all the time, your volunteer work is experience. Yes. Your self-directed projects, if you are building something, if you're on Hack the Box, if you're on these other, um, you know, unpaid work working on cybersecurity related stuff, it's still, you're still working, you're still building your skill set. So add that to your resume and talk about what you did, how you did it. That is experience. So, you know, don't, don't throw that away. I've had so many college students, it's well, not so, but a number of college students and they take away all their stuff. They have nothing on their resume. And I said, wait a minute, I know you were a leader. I know you did this stuff. I know you worked on hacktive. Like you told me this is what you did and why isn't it on your resume? And they think that, you know, it doesn't matter because it's unpaid. No, it matters. That is experience. That's experience. So we definitely want to see it. Leaders like it, you know, when they look at yes. the resumes and they see, Oh wow, this person, you know, they, and and uh, quite frankly, when it's hacked the box and when it's the stuff that you sign up for, it makes you even look more proactive because you didn't have to do it. You don't have to be a volunteer. Obviously, when you get a job, you have to work. Hopefully you're showing up because you're getting paid. But in some of these other organizations, other situations, you don't have to do that. So um, so I just want I just want to reiterate what uh, Chris is saying. So a couple more comments here are coming in. James, thank you for that. James also made some other uh, Comments here that I want to I want to post them all at once. Uh, James says he's held some high risk feder- federally issued security clearances in the past, so he understands what the clearance process is like. Um, he also says he's glad he joined the live stream. I'm glad you joined too, right on time. That's fantastic. Applaud to the feedback, Renee. I'm going to add in Chris too. <laughs> She's <laughs> an expert. Right. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and James also said, I recently completed a bootcamp while I was employed, unemployed Excellent. and graduated from the program. So yeah, Excellent. things like that, you, you absolutely want to put those on your resume, you know, like that's so key. Um, in addition, I spoke to, I, I was talking to a person earlier today. I'm trying to ping, I'm going to, Chris, when you're answering questions, I'm going to try and reach out and see if I can find him on LinkedIn and see if he will, um, participate in this or chime in, but he was one of the, um, he worked at Homeland, he currently works at Homeland Security. I mm-hmm. know DH had a, or SISA, I, I think it was SISA, that had a, an actual um, job fair either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday from 10 a.m. to four. And it was all remote, it was all virtual. And people were able to come on and recruiters were there and things like that. And he and I are talking about how we can mm-hmm. get more folks on the corporate side to, you know, get some insight again, kind of doing the same thing we're doing here. Like just giving insight because I feel like people in people in corporate, and I I can speak for myself. It is one big cloud when it comes to, and I know it's the same way with federal people coming to corporate. It's like, what is this? And when corporate people go to (laughs) private sector, goes to federal, we're like, what is this? So making sure that we both are, you know, providing the opportunities for people is fantastic.
1: So Um, um, Renee, regarding CISA and their job there, I just uh, saw their new director for their risk management center on a podcast recently. And she said they are hiring like crazy. And and it's yeah. it's pretty clear they from leadership on down they really need people at at all levels they need- and there's some critical policy decisions they need to make that um frankly it was clear they haven't been able to make
2: yeah so, yeah pretty- i think with this new administration too i think that um you know with the i know that there's been the the person i was talking to yesterday he was telling me that there is a um there is a uh I don't know what it's called, but is an executive hiring. It's something like, you know, you don't have to go through the whole USA jobs process and wait and all this stuff. Like if you have the experience right, to right yes. into the leader, what is that called again? Um, well, they have
1: direct hire authority.
2: Direct hire authority. Jobs, that's what Which it
1: means it goes
2: right. much faster.
1: And that's yeah. true for cybersecurity jobs, um, not just at CISA, but probably at other agencies in the federal government. And um, they just extended the COVID related direct hire authority for all agencies um, through the end of this year. And COVID related can can certainly be in the, you know, IT and, and cyber area as well.
2: Right. Right. No, that's fantastic. That's awesome. So for all the folks that are here, you know, I'm really happy that you are here and getting this insight. And then we can, you know, hopefully the ones that are looking to get into the federal government and get into, you know, these agencies, we get, we're get we giving a glimpse as to some insight as to how. So Joshua Turnwall says, I'm a recent grad with my degree in cybersecurity. It will be a career change to go into cybersecurity. So what can I do to gain experience to get a job?
1: Um, Well, there's always the volunteering, right? A lot of nonprofits, I I can imagine, and and small um, charitable organizations could probably use some technical guidance and a, a recent grad who, who maybe is willing to donate or come in at a, a lower um, rate could be useful. Uh, there's also all the professional organizations in your area. And that's a way to, um, to get involved like on a committee um, and, and show some leadership and also network and and keep up on the policy and the trends through, through the association
2: while getting some relevant work experience.
1: Renee, I'm sure you have ideas too.
2: Oh, yeah. So, any of the, you know, the, what we, what we kind of discussed. So, Mm -hmm. depending on the type of work that you're doing, the volunteer efforts. So, participating in the nonprofit agencies and volunteering in that space always helps. That's experience. Anything that you're doing, if you were in, you know, you got your degree. And something about something in the degree program was really, really interesting to you. um, I would dig into that area. So, if it was, you know, threats, if it happened to be, I don't know, ransomware, you know, wherever it is, try and find out how you can get more access into or more information or more digging and playing with how to deal with this. So if you're on the inside of a company, how would you deal with if a company got ransomware? Like, how do you handle that? Um, So pick pick an area. I'm I'm a huge proponent of really understanding, like, whatever it is that stood out to you in your degree program, and you just finished a degree, so that's great. Whatever stood out to you in that degree program, like, jump into that, jump jump into one of those areas and, like, dig in more Um, and post the information on LinkedIn, connect with people, you know, post it on YouTube, make a video, make a little, little videos. Anytime you can share what you know, or write a blog or whatever your passion is, if you're a writer, write a blog, if you're a video talker, you know, do the videos Um, or audios, or you know, podcasts or whatever the case is explaining what you learned and you will see how quickly People will kind of like, oh, say, wow, Joshua knows this. You know, he's very, very quickly. You can become an expert in certain areas because security moves so fast and there's so many components to it. So you can easily kind of jump in and own a space. And that's really important. Um, Okay, I'm going to get down here to some more comments. Let's see. Oh, Tani is here. Woo. I'm excited. Tani is in Grenada right now. which is fantastic. Everyone's all over. Mm. I. Lo- <clears throat> what I love is that with the pandemic, everyone's like, I'm taking off, you know, so we got people in the islands <laughs> we got people all over. So it is awesome. So Tani said, it's great to hear. Tani also wanted to know, I saw a comment down here um, about, um, is the federal government going to continue to work remote? So I know, I know, um, Chris, that there's been a pretty flexible schedule as a whole. So I have a number of, I mean, obviously outside, right outside of Washington, DC metro area, have a number of friends that work in the federal government and they have flex schedules pre pandemic. So some yes. of the schedules, where you know the four day, ten hour days, and you get a Friday off or every other Friday, um, you know definitely remote work was it wasn't you know everyone didn't always have to go into DC or go into the agencies. There was a lot of flexibility prior to COVID. So I'm mm-hmm. curious about what you know um, in terms of the 100% remote situation or what you know whatever what it, what it's going to be like. Um, after, you know, the post-pandemic era, which is where we are, which I guess is where we're going to soon?
1: Um, I, think, I think many of those decisions are still being made. Uh, folks are, the HR folks and the leadership are focusing right now on mm-hmm. having a transition for current employees, you know, back to work Um, in offices on a rolling basis. That seems to be the way most people are doing it. Um, And then it's many cases, it's really up to individual uh, agencies, offices, and even supervisors themselves into the degree to which remote work can be part of a flexible work schedule. You know, as you said, Renee, almost every agency allows some flexibility, like four 10 hour days a week or um, perhaps some remote work. Some of it just depends on each agency's uh, remote capabilities. I had someone in my, one of my leadership classes during the crisis from FBI, and they were s- scrambling to just get unclassified remote access for their current employees. Um, so I think a lot of agencies have done that now in the past year because they absolutely had to. And as they're getting their current employees sort of situated to part remote and part in the office, I think it is offering more opportunities for new hires, but I don't think there are really very many policies that are firm yet. Um, So, and I would expect that at least for an initial period on boarding with a federal agency, there's a lot of training. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, these agencies are, older fashioned when it comes to, to work style. So I would expect you need to be flexible and be willing to report to work physically for a certain period of time, and then maybe be able to transition to part remote,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but mm-hmm. it's, it's going to vary widely across the government. Um, probably a lot easier in those um domestic agencies as opposed to intelligence ones, because in the intelligence national security field, it's very hard to separate your job into what you could do unclassified versus classified. You know, the information all tends to be mixed. So Mm -hmm. I would think domestic agencies, places like GSA, um, who work broadly with other aspects of the federal economy are going to be the ones that, that start that um, or if they have it, extend it. You know, maybe places like Social Security Administration that have a ton of um, uh, regional offices already. But that's just a guess on my part. Right.
2: There's, I've
1: been I've been searching all my newsletters and sites to see some trends, but I just think it's too early.
2: Yeah. Solomon Selushi wants to know. Hi, family. Where should I start with security clearance? So I think this is a great question, because a lot of people wonder, especially folks that are not in um, in the federal government or don't understand how the security clearance works. And they're like, oh, well, can yeah. I buy one, or can I can I get it myself? So Chris, it would be great for you to explain security clearances, how they work, and how people actually are, how you can get one.
1: Sure. Well, the good news about applying for a job with the federal government is you do not have to have a pre existing security clearance. Um, If you're hired for a job that requires the clearance, the federal agency will sponsor you for that. Um, So, not a worry at all if you're onboarding with the federal government. And I can tell you after years at CIA that whether you have a security clearance already or not does not enter into that. Initial screening um, all the way through to job offer. We're looking for people who have the qualifications to do the actual job itself to the best degree possible. And so, um, whether you have an existing clearance or not doesn't enter into a hiring decision. It only possibly might make your um, processing time shorter if you have a clearance already. Um, and generally, you know, with the contracting field, it's, it's different. And I think that's where people get, get mixed up is that you can have a clearance and then you're more, you're more attractive, you know, for another contracting company, but for the federal government, just, just rely on getting the job based on your qualifications.
2: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. A couple more comments here. I know, uh, pretty busy group tonight, which I'm excited about. Um, I see people
1: saying they're linking in with me. So thank you. And I'm happy to follow
2: up with people. Yes. I've seen, I saw a couple of those comments down there too. So Sean is, Sean McGinn is asking about certifications, which is always a big question when it comes to security in particular, Cybersecurity, you know, wanting to know, and I'm and I'm going to elaborate on his certifications question. Wanting to know, like which certifications, um, you all tend to tend to want, tend to take more, you know, more. Which ones are valuable? Which ones make more sense to get? And I, from my experience working with federal with government contracting companies, mm-hmm. um, and seeing some of those requests. I know that uh, a certification, so they don't, you typically don't say which one. So from my perspective, from my experience working with some of the organizations that I've worked with, they say a cert. So it's, you know, it could be, if you, if you have the CSSP, great. If you have the, you know, system, great. If you have whatever, CEH certified ethical hacker, great security plus, you know, like people kind of, kind of look, look, It's an entry-level certification, but Security Plus qualify for the stuff that I was seeing. And that's, again, government contractor opportunities saying we need a certification. From what I've seen, my experience, and it's it's limited, um, the certifications were not specific. It was a security certification, including, and then there was like a list, and you could you know, anybody that had any of the relatively major certs worked. So, Chris, do you have anything to add? Not specifically. I am um, i don't hire for
1: the cybersecurity field in general and didn't. Um, but I think that probably goes for the federal government. Federal job vacancies are very specific. So if they want a certification or they want knowledge of a particular kind of um you know, programming language or whatever, they they will state it. Um, One thing I will say related to this is that the federal government agencies are much more open now than they used to be about not requiring an academic degree, not requiring a bachelor's and accepting certifications in lieu of the academic degree.
2: I did see that. I know, I think that happened as a part of the last administration. (laughs) So I've been tracking a lot of the cybersecurity, specifically in the security space. Um, And that tends to be a challenge because a lot of many people that are uh, very experienced in the space may not necessarily have a degree. So you don't want to, you don't want to, and, and, you know, one of the, one of the big, huge populations is veterans, um, and people coming out of the military and everyone doesn't, you know, some people go straight from high school, go straight into the military and don't have an a degree. So you have the experience. So yes. that barrier to entry, I think, just didn't make it, to me, it made, made no sense, especially when it comes to veterans. And then other folks who also are in that same boat that don't necessarily have the that, you know, pick, pick this stuff up, picked up, picked up, you know, what they've been doing um, by just self-directed, research and YouTube and all those things but are very Mm -hmm. very successful in what they do you know I think those are I think those are fewer than what I see from a veteran perspective but I'm also excited that they can get into because you know you have so many talented people that don't necessarily have a degree and it would behoove us the federal you know the government organizations as a whole to bring in talent it's all about talent degree or not so um, yeah, Sean, thanks for that question. So I'm going to continue to go down here. Um, Chris uh, Jerry asked about. What, I think we go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, could
1: I ask Tyrone uh, what agency you're in? I see a comment from you that um, your agency is going 50 50 starting in September. Tyrone, what on. agency is that? Just to improve my knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember
2: Yeah, Tyrone, let us know what agency you're in. Yeah. Um I've spoken to him a couple times. I've spoken to Tyrone a time. Tyrone was on our, um, I believe he was on one of these lives, actually. So uh cool. we'll wait to hear back from him. But Tyrone yeah. is definitely deep into the uh <laughs> deep into the various agencies. Um there were some other questions up here. Let's see. Security clearance, um Handy had a question, I believe. Jerry asked, where can he find opportunities, volunteer? So I don't know if we answered this, Chris. We may have answered it in between kind of having the conversations. But, you know, again, all of these all of these bodies, all of these volunteer volunteers, um, or these nonprofits, so the, the organizations that do the CISSP, so ISC squared, the system, I forget the name of the organization like this, you can Google volunteer, you know, cybersecurity nonprofits, cybersecurity certification bodies, and they all have um, volunteer opportunities. So you can jump in and get um, volunteer in all of those different spaces. Um, another area where I tend to tell people is that you know a, a lot of these small nonprofits they don't even know they have no clue they don't they they need people to to look into security for them so if you're a part of a nonprofit already maybe you can just reach out to them and say hey I volunteer with you I'm part of or your organization or I donate to you or whatever and do you need some extra security help. Um, and that's another area where they will probably, you know, more often than not, they're going to say yes, because a lot of these people just have no idea when yeah. it comes to security. So um, let's see here. Uh, oh, Tony has an, another question here. How do you know what is an appropriate level for your experience in the federal system?
1: Uh This is where it starts to get arcane and complex. Um, (laughs) The federal government is very procedure-ridden. There is something called the Handbook of Occupational Groups and Families that OPM puts out. Um, Is there a way,
2: Renee, that I can put a link into? Sure. If you want to... Where do um, I find that? If you want to share your link in the... I think this in the public chat. You should be able to put something in. If not, you can put it in a private chat and I will copy it. And put okay, that. I'll do
1: that because I don't see a
2: public chat. Okay. There
1: you go. Um, there's a link to it. And basically the, the federal government classifies all its jobs into uh, big occupational categories and then more finite specific groups underneath that. And within each occupation, then they they laboriously spell out the tasks and duties of job. And they they also spell out at what grade level is considered entry level, mid-level and senior. And so you can get a sense by looking at that handbook. Um, I'm looking at it now to see... 2200 is what they call their information technology group. And there's live links in that handbook. So you can actually go into it and then dive down there and find out the specific job categories in the IT or the cyber area. Um, This is December, 2018, which seems kind of old for a dynamic area like yours. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's a way to, to get a sense at what, because it really differs by occupation. Um, at what level is considered senior or manager, you know,
2: supervisor? Right. Okay. I'm trying to. I put it up on the screen, but it only goes yeah. to um, only goes to YouTube. So I'm trying to see if I could get it to. No, it won't post to. It won't post the LinkedIn. So I'm gonna. I'm trying to rewrite it so I could get it to post the LinkedIn. For everyone so but it's up here so if you if you all see yeah. it you know try to grab it and go there um and you get could that probably
1: also just search on opm occupational handbook and find it
2: yeah that's probably opm
1: it. um establishes all the hr guidelines for all the civil service agencies and so they need to follow this this approach and that's that's also good to know in terms of, you can search USA jobs by a job group, um, you know, like 2,219 within the IT group. And you'll find out all the 2,219 jobs across the federal government.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's the OPM occupational handbook, handbook. Put a link in the chat and LinkedIn. So Great. everyone can, um, and Tandy's asking, you know, what can you repeat the name of the book? So the OPM Occupational Handbook, that's the name of the book. Uh, Tyrone is saying it's DEA. That's where they're doing 50-50 when you ask that question. Yeah.
1: And DEA is another agency that would have a lot of non-Washington DC area jobs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So um, just a couple more comments, Chris, because I know it's eight o'clock and I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, so just a couple of comments here. James said, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. So he, I know he's connecting with you, which is fantastic. Um, James said uh, uh, he sent you a connection request. So I know you're that. Chris Westbrook, I requested a connection, and I think that is from, oh, that's from China Haley. Well, no, somebody else. Um, Yeah. Well, I think you're going to get quite a few, Chris, like you usually do when you come on here. (laughs) You get quite a few. Oh, man. So, Tyrone, the ZEA is a 50-50. Solomon says, great info here. Thank you so much, Solomon. We try our best. Security Plus, Johnson, Security Plus is what I'm studying for right now. So, John, good luck. I hope it all works out well. Um, Nathan Mensa required requested a connection with you, so there you go. Uh, um,
1: Let me quickly send you in a private chat the um, link to the FCC. Yes. On well, we're going
2: to talk about that too. We're going to talk about that before we run. And I know it's 801. So I want to be cognizant. I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, chiming in. So Sean is thanking us. Tyrone, he wants to know, do you think the EC Council plagiarism issue will taint the CEH cert that many folks have or others are seeking to acquire? Mm-hmm. That is a good question. Um, Chris, have you heard about this? The EC no. Council uh, plagiarism. So they had a plagiarism issue. Um, and they wrote, they wrote, you know, they, you know, put a message out to talk about it. So people have been commenting. Um, it would be unfortunate if, you know, the people who really studied to, to take this and get the CEH cert, um, you know, if it will really impact them. But the thing about the CEH cert is that people knew that it was relatively, I don't want to say super entry level, but you know, it's not an extensive, um, More a a certification where you had to have years and years of experience and you know very very um, in depth experience for. So I I I kind of don't think so. I mean, if I answer to answer that question, I don't I don't think it will taint it Uh, for people who knew because I think people who knew knew that a CEH certification, just like many certifications, are just certifications. Like what my experience has been from a non-federal perspective, so corporate perspective, is that leaders are looking for actual experience, hands-on experience. So that's the thing with the private sector and why I sent, I try to send so many people to the public sector, to federal, because I feel like the federal side will give you more of an opportunity to learn. So you can take the degree, you can take the certs. We can get on the job and learn versus the private sector where everything is go 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 go. They actually want people who have the experience. So the certifications kind of don't even matter. Like I have not had in the past. I cannot believe I've been recruiting cybersecurity professionals for ten years. It kind of—I said this the other day. I was like, I've been recruiting security professionals since 2011, and it—it kind of shocks me <laughs> like mm. by making the saying that out loud. Like, wow, ten years. This is nuts. So I've been, I've been recruiting security professionals for 10 years and no one, I can't think of a leader who said, I want a CEH cert. I want a CISSP. I want a specific, you know, like I have not had that. It's mainly focused on the experience versus the certification. Now the certifications are pluses. And obviously when you're entry level and you're new, it shows that your commitment to the industry but because I've been working solely in the the, the, the private sector and Fortune 1000 companies, that's not, that's, not the, that, that's not the first question. The first question is, can they do X? Can they Have they worked in the cloud before? Have they done these various things? Um, hence why when people reach out and the reason why I have Chris and other people come here that understand the federal side, it's like I feel like the federal side is more lenient and more open to having folks who don't have the actual experience, but have the cert. Um, so from a corporate side Tyrone, I don't think the CH is, I don't think that it didn't really, to me, and from my humble opinion and the people that I've worked with, it didn't matter that much anyway. So, um, okay. So Chris had a couple, okay. Couple good. Let me just put these comments up real quick. Um, Anna says, thank you, Chris and Renee, you're welcome. Uh, Always good to see you live. Who is this? I think this might be John. Uh, I caught the last bit, but always good to see you and listen to you live. This is John De La Cruz. Hi, John. Uh, it is great. Thank you, Chris and Renee. That's Daniel. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is Tandi for the great information. Chris and Renee, this is awesome. This is, That's wonderful. Um, so people are saying this is informative. Sarah Hurt said it's informative. Um, John talked about the insightfulness, going to the public sector versus to further the foundation. Yes. I I think that there's a huge opportunity in the public sector that people are not tapping into. And I think it's Purely because we, and I say we, because I also am part of this party of, you know, we are just ignorant to, we don't understand it, we don't know it. That's why Chris is here. That's why Federal Career Connection is here. Um, in a second, I'm gonna have Chris talk about all the stuff that Federal Career Connection is doing. Um, and then Chris uh, Tandy says Chris Westbrook just sent my request. So Tandy, okay. and I think Tandy worked in. I don't. I don't think T- Tandy, you worked in the. You might not have worked in the federal government. I think you worked in state government. So, um, okay. And then mm-hmm. here is a link, folks. Chris put a link out here. So, Chris, can you please talk about um, what Federal Career Connection is doing, the event that you're having? Um, sure. We are going to be focused on um, interviewing skills and preparing for a successful interview. Um, Please let everyone know, and please let people know what for any of anyone here that's new, Federal Career Connection and I and the Breaking Into Cybersecurity Podcast. We've been doing these every single month for almost a year, which is nuts. We started last summer, um, and we had Chris Westbrook, Alex Harrington, who who you know created the whole thing. We've had Julie Andrews. We've had multiple people come on and talk about various topics when it comes to getting into a federal job. So we know it's, it's tricky. It's difficult. It's it's not as, as seamless as, you know, applying on LinkedIn. Well, some of the things, so I see some apply on LinkedIn now, but um, we know, you know, going to USA jobs and filling out that, 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 that whole process can be definitely complex, especially when it, where you're coming from the corporate side where people like me come and poach you. You don't have to do anything. So Chris is here to kind of explain what FCC is, learn about this new, um, this workshop that she's doing and um, anything else that you want to ask. So Chris, I'm going to give it to you for the end and sure, take it away. Sure.
1: The uh, link you see is for my July 13th webinar on interviewing successfully for a federal job. We have webinars the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, 6.30 to 8 p.m. via Zoom. They're free, and and this is the link to register for the next one. Our website is federalcareerconnection.org, and you can see our calendar of events. Um, we We alternate between providing basics on how to find the right agency fit, how to apply and develop a federal resume, how to interview and so forth. Um, And we intersperse that with uh, more topical things. For example, on July 27th, we're having an event we call From Ancient Egypt to the Stars. And we have insiders from NASA and the Smithsonian Institution talking about careers at their two very neat agencies. Um, Later in the year, we'll... um, be having careers in the intelligence community in August, Um, FBI or CIA, perhaps National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and Defense Intelligence Agency, um, and possibly an IC contractor. Um, So please please join us second and fourth um, Tuesdays of the month and it's a great way to network too. So thank you, Renee. It's always fun to be on your program.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So folks, go to for, Um That's where you're going to get the info. I put the website, the Zoom link here. When we get off, I don't want to do it on my, um, I don't want to do it on the laptop right now because if I do, it's going to get kind of, you're going to hear us talking. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't log in for my laptop. But I will right afterwards. I will put up the Zoom link. Please, please, please connect with Chris. Connect with Federal Career Connection. They are amazing. There have been, I mean, over the past year that I've been participating. I mean, Chris, you you all have been around for years, right?
1: Yeah, Alex started us some years ago. I've been with the organization for a little over two years. And we are moving to formal nonprofit status in 2022, which we're really excited about. That will allow us to um, get more resources and expand our programming even more.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. So Mm -hmm. Alex is doing a phenomenal job by bringing all of you such, so resourceful, such, such, such great information. So folks, go to federalcareerconnection.org. Um, that's the plug for tonight, Chris's workshop. You saw her here for this past hour. So, you know, it's going to be awesome when she's really digging in to preparing for success for, for a successful, um, uh, federal government interview. So that's that. Secondly, um, tomorrow is our Cecil Thursdays, So make sure you You'll be here tomorrow, 1 PM Eastern for all you folks. Cecil Thursdays is tomorrow, uh, shameless plug, Chris Folon, Gary Hayslip and I just completed a book focused on breaking into mm. cybersecurity. security. Um, it's on Amazon. I will put the link in the chat as well. When we went, you know, when I when I hop off of this, put the link in there. So it ended up being number one for job hunting, which I was shocked. Um, we knew that the, the industry needed our help but we didn't realize that we were going to get this just overwhelming um, um, response. So we the book launched yesterday and by last night it was number one in job hunting. Um, and it is, what is the name? I, I, I always want to call it breaking into cybersecurity because everything from my life is breaking into cybersecurity. <laughs> but the actual title of the book is, um, it is,
1: Trying to get to it
2: right now.
1: I'm looking it up too because I want to get a hard copy and get your autograph when we finally and- perhaps meet in person at some point, Renee.
2: We will. We totally will. It's called "Develop Your Cybersecurity Career Path: How to Break Into Cybersecurity at Any Level." So, anyway, if you look at look, go to Amazon, type my name in, type Chris Folan's name in, or type in Gary lip, You're gonna find Gary. Well, Gary has this is his fourth book. This is my second, and this is Chris's first. So you know, you punch all our names in there, and you put in cyber, and it's gonna pop right up on Amazon. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have to have some kind of event where we're doing copy signed autograph copies, but it, it'll be a lot of fun. All but right. it was a it was a really really good. Um, it, it's great because it gives what I love about this book is it gives all it gives the recruiting perspective, it gives a CISO perspective, and then it gives an individual like you know uh, Chris Folon transitioning into the field. So it's three different perspectives. It's really, really, really good. So if I if I should say so myself. <laughs> so, so Chris, thank you so much. I know we're 14 We're over time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all audience. You guys are awesome security peeps. So we will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. CISO Thursdays and subscribe to us on YouTube and have a wonderful evening.
1: Good night. Bye, everybody.